Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. We are hanging in there at the Daniels house. Today was the first day of school, virtual school. So it's been kind of a long, rough day, just getting all the wrinkles out of what that's going to look like. And I hope you guys are doing okay with that, preparing or already starting as well. So we're going to be talking today about magical thinking. Part of my goal in doing all of these online resources is to provide parents with a ridiculous amount of knowledge on anxiety and OCD. And so I really try to cover every possible topic I could possibly think of that you might need a little bit more in-depth knowledge about. That's kind of been my goal. So I have not covered magical thinking related to OCD, and it's something that we can talk about. It's something to explore so that you can understand it a little bit further. So I'm going to get into that so that you just know everything. That's my goal. And don't stay in your lane. Don't stay narrowly focused on your child's theme or the way your child's anxiety or OCD presents itself. You have to get out of your lane, get out of your box and understand OCD and how it can manifest in a much bigger way because OCD is whack-a-mole and it will show up in different ways. And the more you recognize OCD in its typical way, it will start to morph and change and hide in other ways. So I always tell parents, please be proactive, you know, soak up some knowledge and learn about OCD, even in the areas that your child doesn't have. So that if you see a weed, if something pops up and you're like, oh my gosh, wait a minute, I read something about that. Or I heard Natasha talking about that. That's another OCD symptom. You're going to be much more proactive. So that's my goal. And that's what this is all about. Before we get started, though, I have a couple of updates to let you know about what's going on in the AT parenting community world. I am going to have Dr. Patrick McGrath on from NoCD. He is going to be in my Facebook group, and I'm actually going to stream it to my Facebook page. So he will be doing a Facebook Live with me on Thursday of this week. That's August 6th at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern. A lot of people had questions about NoCD's OCD teletherapy. And so I reached out and invited him on because I thought it would be good to just do like a question and answer Facebook live with him. So if you had been thinking about teletherapy, if you have questions about no CD services and teletherapy, join us, join my Facebook group. I have links in the show notes or just get onto my page at AT Parenting Survival on Facebook and join us for that live conversation. Okay. The other thing I want to mention before we get started Um, Well, two things. Don't forget to subscribe to my podcast so that you don't miss these episodes that are happening every Tuesday. But I have something brewing. I did mention it last week. I want to mention it again because I'm in the middle of developing it and fleshing it out and creating it that I'm going to be doing mini coaching episodes. And so you can sponsor my mini coaching episodes. You can be one of my sponsors and the sponsors get to ask me their own questions. And so kind of like a dear Abby, it'll be dear Natasha. Maybe I'll call it that. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe I'm too old and no one will get the reference. I don't know. 
as I'm getting older, I feel like no one's getting my old fart references anymore, but maybe you are. So yay to you. Yeah. So you can sponsor my mini coaching episodes and submit your question for one of my future episodes. If you like that idea, then you can get on my wait list so that you are the first to be notified about my mini coaching opportunities. And you can text mini coach to 44222 and I'll put you on my list and I will let you know as soon as I open it up. I'm hoping to open it up by the end of August. That's kind of my goal. And the the mini coaching options, as far as the sponsorship goes, I'm thinking I was going to just do a one tier sponsor where you can just, you know, sponsor me as your mini coach and help support the creation of these extra episodes. But then I started thinking, wouldn't it be cool if I did higher tiers where maybe you got 30% off all of my online classes. And then I thought, well, okay, that's, that's nice. And that's kind of a cool bonus, but that's not very exciting. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if, (laughs) this is when I get really weird. I did have somebody ask me one time if I can make a video for their child directly. They were a fan of my YouTube channel and they were like, my child would just die if you could just send them a customized video about this problem that they're having. And I did do it because I'm a nice person, but I have gotten requests since then. And I'm so busy and overwhelmed with the podcast, the YouTube channel, the AT Parenting Community membership, my online classes, my private practice, my three kids. It's a little bit crazy that I can't do that anymore. In fact, I don't even answer my emails or my messages. I have an assistant who does that. But I thought, wouldn't that be a neat gift for a higher tier in my mini coaching tiers where I can make personalized videos for people? I would only do it once per person to their child on either a particular problem they're having or like an inspiring message to keep them motivated. So I'm just doing with that idea. If you like that idea, you can email me and my assistant will read it and let me know at atparentingsurvival at gmail.com. But join my list to be notified about my mini coaching tiers and sponsorship opportunities. And if you have any ideas, let us know. You can go and email me. And let me know what you would want in those tiers. What would be cool? Anything. I'm very much out of the box kind of person. So you can uh, text mini coach to 44222 to get on that list. If you have any crazy ideas and you want to help me brainstorm, go ahead and email Sarah at atparentingsurvival at gmail.com. Share your ideas and maybe we'll incorporate them in our sponsor tiers. Okay. On with magical thinking. So Magical thinking in general is just kind of a type of compulsion. And I want to go into what it is, how we can help our kids, how we can explain it to them, and then how we can do kind of exposures around it. So those are the kind of my three goals for today. So in general, magical thinking is just a fancy name for I have to do this thing or something bad's going to happen. I mean, that I can just summarize the entire thing in one sentence. And most kids have many different forms of compulsions. Most kids have many different subtypes and themes, and we don't really want to get wrapped up in the identity of those things to the exclusion of having a broader view of OCD. So I do see that that is kind of the pitfall 
of labeling compulsions and labeling subtypes is that we start to over-identify my child has moral OCD. I don't want to know anything about any other OCD. My child has moral OCD. My child has contamination OCD. I don't want to know any other form of OCD. I only want to learn and study and read anything on contamination OCD. Uh, My child washes. I only want to know anything about compulsions around washing. I don't want to know anything else about anything else. That's not good. And I see that so much in my private Facebook group on, I was going to say on Facebook, that's a little redundant. In the AT parenting community, my membership, I see a lot of times where we just get stuck on over identifying with one theme that our child has and not wanting to learn or study any of the other themes. And I get it that you can be overwhelmed and you can feel kind of exhausted, but it is good for you to realize that OCD can move. So yeah, it might be moral OCD this month, or it might've been moral OCD this year, but it could be symmetry OCD, or it could be something related to contamination, or it could be some, something related to anything. I mean, it, it just morphs and changes. It's nice to know the themes because we can talk about really good exposures for those things. We could talk about how to approach that child for that theme. So there is really good information when you know the narrow theme and the core fear driving the OCD or the core discomfort, because it's not always a fear. But also don't forget to be flexible and understand that it can move and shape, and you have to understand all of these different things. So magical thinking is one that pops up a lot. So you might have a child who has contamination. Let's let's just take a child who has emetophobia, the fear of throwing up. It's just a really good, simple one. Well, they might have compulsions where they have to wash their hands. So they might be like nervous that they got maybe some you know, throw up germs on their hands. And so they're washing their hands all the time, but they also might have some compulsions where they have to only wear a certain color, you know, or they have to avoid a certain color. I've worked with a lot of kids with metaphobia who will not wear green. And so I'm not going to wear green because if I wear green, then I might throw up because green is a throw up color. So they'll make these associations where there's some magical thinking that either if I don't do this, something bad will happen. So I need to leave my house and I need to tap the door twice before I leave in order to make sure that I will not see anyone who throws up today. Or I need to tap the door, moving out of emetophobia now, I need to tap the door to make sure that I don't hurt anyone today. I have Maybe I have harm OCD and I'm afraid I might hurt somebody. So as long as I tap my door before I leave my house, I know that I'm gonna make sure that no one's gonna get hurt by me. It could be honestly anything. And then if I don't do those things, or if I don't avoid those things, so we have two categories, I might have to avoid certain things in order to make sure that nothing bad happens, or I might have to do certain things in order to make sure nothing bad happens. If I don't do, or I don't avoid either one, then that thing will happen. Now, this could be under any theme. So with emetophobia, I'm just going to give you some random examples, but the mind is very creative. So there could be literally zillions of different ways this can pop up because OCD can just take whatever it wants and make it magical thinking. So if I have a metaphobia, maybe I say, as long as my mom says to me, as I'm leaving to go to school, mom, am I going to throw up? Please tell me I'm not going to throw up. And then my mom says, honey, I promise you, you're going to be fine today. Boom, done. Okay. As long as she says that, then I'm good. Like I have this magical protection over me and I'm good for the day separation anxiety can have, it can move into OCD by developing some magical thinking. So I might have to 
hug my parents twice. And as long as they kiss both sides of my cheek, that I know that I'm going to be safe between the time that I see them next. So maybe every time I separate from them, I have to do some sort of compulsion that lets me know that I'm going to be safe until I see them or that they're going to be safe until I see them again. Harm OCD, I already said that, right? Maybe I have to just do a certain ritual to ensure the protection of somebody else or myself. If I have an issue with germs, then maybe I have to say something in my head in order to feel like I'm not going to get sick that day. So the bottom line is magical thinking is not complicated. I honestly think none of this is complicated. I think it's just not talked about enough. If we talked about it more, it would be very obvious and it wouldn't be a mystery to anybody. So it doesn't take me long to explain these things because they're not complicated concepts. So magical thinking is just the idea that if, as long as I do this, or as long as I avoid this, nothing bad's going to happen. And that bad thing could be anything depending on whether I have moral OCD or metaphobia, separation, anxiety, harm OCD, it doesn't matter. So how do we help our kids? That's more important, right? You want to have kids understand what magical thinking is. A lot of times they think that we are being cruel by trying to prevent them from doing these things that are keeping them quote unquote safe. So I do have a YouTube video and I'll link it in the show notes for kids and teens on what is magical thinking. And, you know, I didn't call it magical thinking. Maybe I'll go back to YouTube and retitle that because it isn't very clear, but I do have one on magical thinking and I do have one on OCD is lying to you. That would be another good YouTube video. If you ever have YouTube videos, or if you're ever looking for YouTube videos that I'm talking about, and you're like, she keeps talking about these YouTube videos, and I don't know where to find them. So if you go to YouTube and just type in Natasha Daniels, you'll find my page, and you'll find my channel. I guess that's like the hip correct term is my channel. <laughs> Got to get my lingo. And I mean, I can give you the link in the show notes as well. It's always in the show notes, but just just search my name. It will pop up. And then you can search in a channel. So you can either go to my videos and see all of them, but a quicker way is just go to the search button within my channel and type up a word that you're looking for and you'll find it because I have hundreds of videos on every topic. So type in magical thinking. It does pop up because I tried it and you'll get to the video that I'm talking about. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe because that's a great resource for your kids. It's actually a good resource for you as well because my videos are not babyish. I make them so that pretty much anyone can, you know, absorb the information I'm sharing and get something from it. I have moved away from kind of calling it a kid video because I really want it to benefit everybody with anxiety and OCD, but I'm cognizant of the fact that kids and teens are going to be watching my videos. So I make them very clear and very simple and very short. (laughs) So check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash C slash anxious toddler 78 link is in the show notes and subscribe and then look for these videos. They will definitely help your kids because the first step is educating them. Hey, there's something called magical thinking. This is what I do in my office. Let me tell you what it is. It's a fancy name for OCD lying to you and telling you that you have to do something in order to ward off whatever bad thing is going to happen. And normally I add the details of whatever their OCD is. Your OCD says, Hey, as long as you tap twice before you leave your house, you're not going to throw up and no one else is going to throw up around you. Now, you know, and I know that doesn't make sense, right? So this is how I talk to kids. And I say, if that worked, 
Wouldn't I just knock the door frame and say, I hope I win the lottery? Why is it always bad things that happen and not good things? So sometimes kids will pause when I say that, right? Because if OCD isn't lying to you and you have this magical power that you can do these things and prevent these horrible things from happening, then why can't you make good things happen? I mean, that's a superpower. Now, intellectually, most kids, as they get older, understand that their compulsions aren't going to bring any real, you know, protection, but they still have to do it. So as we get older, there's more understanding and there's more separation from OCD. But with the younger kids that I work with, there really isn't separation. And so they really do believe these lies that their brain is telling them that OCD, these OCD rules are really important to keep them safe. So that's why I kind of like to argue with it a little bit. We don't want to over argue with OCD because OCD kind of likes when you get hooked in and start to really talk to it. But it's good to play devil's advocate and say, isn't it funny how only it only relates to bad things, not good things. And then we want to talk about that we want to test these things, that when OCD bosses us around and we do the things that OCD wants, we grow OCD. And so it's a trap. It's an OCD trap. It's like quicksand. And I explain this to kids. I explain it in the video too. So they understand that the more that they do these things, the more they're going to have to do them. So you're thinking, you know, and I'm just going to use this simplistic example of, you know, tapping twice on the door before I leave the house. I mean, there are a million, a zillion magical thinking compulsions. If you can think it, it can be created. But I'm going to just use this simplistic one. If OCD says to you, look, you don't want to leave this house without just knocking twice. Now, I know that you think that it really isn't a true thing. But do you really want to find out if something bad's going to happen? So you might as well just knock on the door anyway, just in case. OCD's famous thing is just in case. Just do it just in case. I mean, it's not hurting anyone. It doesn't take much time. Just do it, right? So you want to talk to your kids like this because when I talk to kids like this, they start to think, oh my gosh, she's right. That's exactly how I think. That's exactly what my OCD tells me. So I'm calling out OCD by being the voice of OCD. And then I say, But here's the deal. The more you do that, the more OCD gets louder. And OCD says, you know what? You're tapping on the door twice before you leave the house. Why don't you tap on your bed before you go to bed? I mean, let's just do it double, right? Let's just make sure that the morning is good and the evening is good. And then you do that. And then OCD says, you know, I like the way you're doing it in the morning and I like the way you're doing it at night. But how about the middle of the day? What about at lunchtime? Can you do it at lunchtime too? Thank you. You know what I've been thinking about? There's times in between the morning, lunch, and bedtime that you're not doing these things. Let's come up with some more rules. So what I'm showing the child is that OCD is never satisfied. Once you feed OCD, it wants more and more food. I kind of sometimes use the food analogy. So um, you want to explain that to your kids. And then moving into the last part of what I want to talk about today is you want to do exposures. Now, exposures are the answer for everything and anything related to OCD. So it's not just if your child's having magical thinking, let's do exposures. But I want to talk about exposures in the realm of magical thinking. So a lot of times I tell kids that we just want to push back on OCD. So if OCD bosses you in general, then you push back and you say, can I make OCD wait? You know what? I know you're wanting me to tap twice, but I might go do some other things and I might make you wait. In fact, I may not even do it, right? So can I, in general, push back on OCD and say, I'm going to make you wait because you're not the boss of me. 
And then if I make you wait, can I actually move into ignoring you? Because now that itch isn't as strong, can I just ignore you? So teaching them in general, do I have to knock on the door twice before I go? Can I delay it? Can I ignore it? Can I sometimes go and not do it? Can I test out this theory that will something bad happen? Because something bad is happening. You're creating all these rules in my head and I have to do them over and over and over. So what if I didn't do it, right? We won't know until we we don't do it. Now, I always preface that with kids by letting them know that OCD will find patterns. And this is a really important thing because OCD is super clever and will find a way to convince kids that because they didn't do that thing, something bad did happen. And just like if I said to you, hey, the next time you're in a car and you're driving around, pay attention because I've noticed there's a lot of green cars on the road. It's creepy and it's weird. There's just a bunch of green cars. Have you noticed that? Now, the next time you go driving and you remember this conversation, or maybe you're driving right now, you're like, oh my gosh, there's a green car and there's a green car. That's freaky. Natasha's got superpowers, but I don't. It's the power of suggestion. So if you're looking for something, you will find it. So if I'm looking for you know, people to feel nauseous or people to be sick, and I didn't tap on my door before I left, I might see that where I wouldn't have before. Or if I think that I'm responsible for people getting harmed, well, somebody might trip near me, or maybe somebody hits their head and I think, oh my gosh, it's because I didn't tap on my door twice. So we want to preempt this whole exposure of not doing the magical thinking compulsion with the fact that OCD is going to find something that will say, see, I told you so, you should have done that. Now, the way that we want to process that and the way that I process it in my practice is I say, It's not about whether something bad will happen or not. It's whether you can handle it or not. So yes, okay, let's say you didn't tap on the door twice and OCD goes, oh great, somebody's gonna throw up today. And maybe by some weird coincidence, somebody does throw up. And this has happened to me in my practice before, you know, just bad luck. And so somebody does throw up. Then I say to the child, well, did you survive it, right? Because that's the ultimate goal is not to prevent or not prevent bad things from happening. Because life will bring bad things and life will bring good things. And OCD will see patterns that aren't there and will give you more responsibility and feel more burden than you should. That's just how OCD works. But what we're trying to test out is, can you tolerate that? Can you tolerate the discomfort? Were you able to handle it? Yes. Okay. You saw someone throw up, but did the world cave in? You know, did the earth crumble and eat you up and spit you back out? You know, you're still here. So I'm guessing that it went okay, that you survived. So we want kids to understand that the goal, if they are to go against the compulsion or go against OCD, is not to prove that it won't happen, but to prove that they can handle whatever happens. That's the goal. Now, sometimes with some magical thinking, it just depends on what it is. I'll have kids eventually do the opposite. So what if I'm worried that I might like, be responsible for hurting my family. So before I go to bed, I have to say, I love you and I'll see you tomorrow. And in my head, I say, and I know that you'll be safe. And as long as I say that in my head, I know that you'll be safe. Then I know that nothing bad can happen to them and I won't cause anything bad to happen. But if I don't say that, I know you'll be safe. Then something bad can happen. Now, over time as an exposure, and this isn't the first exposure typically, but I build up to it. 
I might have that kid say, and I hope that you die tomorrow. <laughs> now, I know that sounds like really, really crazy and harsh, but it's the opposite of what OCD wants. You know, and you may not be okay tomorrow. I had a child where they would have to say, you may not be around tomorrow, or you may not be okay, or something bad might happen to you tomorrow. Good night. I love you. And sometimes I'd have them say it out loud, depending on if they had compulsions where they actually said things out loud. And of course, I notify the parents. They're normally in my sessions with me and they know where I'm headed. They know why we're doing this so that they don't think that's just like some crazy therapy and a crazy therapist. And that helps saying the opposite. You're not doing what OCD wants. You're actually pushing it and saying something different. If I have a compulsion where I can't wear green because I'm afraid that if I wear green, I am supporting the world of throw up. And so I have to wear any color other than green. Then I've had kids wear green. Um, I actually have, believe it or not, throw up shirts in my office. You can get anything on Amazon these days. <laughs> and it says something like, oh, the wonderful ways I will throw up. It's like an Irish kind of drinking shirt, but they actually have it in like small child sizes. And I have had people wear those as an exposure and they're green. So that's a great exposure for someone who has magical thinking around a color, especially for a metaphobia where they say, I can't wear green. So um, just some ideas. Now you can take everything I said and apply it to your child's theme and your child's issue. I'm just giving you big, broad stroke ideas of how, how this looks for different themes. So if I didn't mention your child's issue or their specific intrusive thought or theme, it doesn't matter because you just replace everything I just said and you add it with, with your child stuff. So I hope that you found that interesting. I hope that helped you. I hope there's some information that I said today that you didn't know before, or I even sparked just some ideas on how to approach this. When I get my mini coaching episodes, if you had follow-up questions, you could submit them if you're sponsoring me and I would answer specific things, maybe give you exposure ideas or talking about how this would apply to your own child's issues. So I can see, kind of getting excited about it, I can see where this is going to be a very cool thing to be able to talk in a more personalized way to some of you and give you some more ideas. So if you're enjoying the podcast, don't forget to hit a star on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. If you have a few extra seconds to leave a review, I really greatly appreciate that. And it does impact and help the show. So if you're into giving back, you listen to this every week, or you just start listening and you're like, oh my gosh, Natasha, thank you so much. You're giving, you're helping so much. And I get a lot of emails like that but you can really physically help me by leaving a review. I love the private emails. Those are super nice. And Sarah does forward them to me, but saying it out loud to the rest of the world is actually even better. So to show my appreciation, I always like to end reading one of those. And I want to thank live soul. And she wrote lifesaver love Natasha. Thank you. She has connected so many dots for me and my husband in dealing with our daughters emetophobia. And I'm so glad to hear that. I feel like sometimes um, you just need someone to connect the dots. And so I'm happy that my resources are helping you. And if you have something nice to say, maybe I'll be reading your review next time. So I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. 